Hey, what's going on? Greetings and good day. Welcome back to Birds All Day. And oh yes, it is that time. It's been a few years, but finally we get to talk about one of the most exciting things to hear if you're a sports fan, if you're a baseball fan. We're talking about the Blue Jays. Magic number. That's the only issue facing this team today is how many games do they have to win and the opponents need to lose before the Blue Jays are clinched officially a playoff team. Because you know what? You nerds can watch the games. You can worry about run differential. But look, the standings are all that matter. Wins, baby. Just put the Ws on the board once a week or so, and you might find yourself (laughs) in the playoffs. My name is Drew Fairservice, and as I mentioned, we are talking about your Toronto Blue Jays. Your playoff, almost for sure, despite all their best efforts, Toronto Blue Jays. And and I could not do that on this baseball podcast without the the person, the the writer, the entity who joins me as always. Uh, old, old reliable. Old reliable, Mr. Andrew Stoughton. Stoughton, how are you? I'm just backing my way into this podcast, you know. That's how we do it, fucking in the six, you know? We we are definitely <laughs> uh, uh, backing this, this Mack truck of a Blue Jay season to the playoffs little garage. I cannot wait for the playoffs to begin because, boy, if ever there was a visual that made me excited for, for October baseball, it was seeing Joe Panic listed as the DH for a playoff-bound team. To me, those two things are synonymous. You can't go to the playoffs if you don't have the minor league free agent signing utility infielder that you scraped off the bottom of the barrel, DHing for your team in a big game in September. They are just they're one and the same. Hot couple of weeks for Joe Panic. Hey, I'll not, yeah, that's I'll not true. stand for that slander. He's one of the only guys hitting. I, I looked at this earlier uh, here on Wednesday when we were recording before the, the the Jays got fucking destroyed by the Yankees yet again. Uh, yeah, nobody, nobody good is hitting. It's like their top hitters for this month are, you know, all the guys on the DL, though Teoscar is back now, uh, Telez, Guriel, who is still around, uh, Joe Panic and Travis Shaw. <laughs> like, uh, your Bichette's, your, I mean, Bichette obviously hasn't been back for very long. Your Biggio's, your Guerrero's, uh, your Danny Jansen's, who's, you know, <laughs> here in the footsteps of Alejandro Kirk, the very loud, undoubtedly, footsteps of Alejandro Kirk. Uh, not doing so hot. The the footsteps of Alejandro Kirk are loud only because uh, Alejandro Kirk is still a sentient being uh, who has mass, whose uh, uh, passage through the universe would in fact disrupt other air particles, which at that point, uh, poor Danny Jansen, his anemic offense in 2020, uh, got to be feeling rattled. Rattled <laughs> like the little weird vibrations from Alejandro Kirk's steps. Good touch for a big man, though. Good touch for a big man. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird to see Andy Carroll uh, lining up against and against West Ham on the weekend. Uh, we we could talk about disastrous, poorly operated uh, clubs anytime, but we'll save West Ham for this one. Before we get any further, it, I think it's important that we bring in the voice of reason. We want to bring in our veritable uh, third person in the booth. It is our pleasure. I speak for my fourth Stoughton when I say this. I, I, I haven't checked with him, but I, I feel as though it's it's likely. Uh, it's my pleasure to, to welcome from the athletic Caitlin McGrath back to Birds All Day. Caitlin, thanks so much for making the time. Hi again. How are you guys? Uh, good. Your intro that was very uh, 
um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, convincing. You sounded enthused in a way that, uh, you know, like you're backing into being on the show. Like, fuck, yeah, sure. The theme of the night. Guess we'll do this again, huh? <laughs> Till we die one day. Maybe it'll be soon. Maybe it'll be in the, in the, the distance. But uh, we'll all be dust. Don't sweat it. Caitlin, how are you feeling about these Toronto Blue Jays? Oh, you know, it's been... <laughs> been a bit uh, <laughs> wild ride. <laughs> oh, you know. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. This is, last two games haven't gone well in New York. Obviously, I think that I was kind of preparing yesterday for you know, to write about the fact that there's this big, meaningful series in New York and you're in the AL East and this is what a team dreams of to head into Yankee Stadium and play these meaningful games and they're one game, or they're sorry, they're half game up on the Yankees and, you know, this could decide their fate and it's just been two very poor games on the behalf of the Blue Jays. Um, they have not looked good. You don't know offensively they haven't looked great defensively they have not looked great although a lot of that was on Derek Fisher yesterday pitching hasn't been superb the bullpen seems to be showing its fatigue a little bit um I do wonder a little bit and I'm sure we'll get into this if the Blue Jays sort of timed their peak a little early here um it's probably not great to overreact to two bad losses especially considering just a couple days ago, they lost pretty badly to the Mets, and then they did come back. And obviously, they didn't come back tonight, so there's two lopsided losses in a row. But again, like the Blue Jays have been pretty good this year at getting over these humps and, and weathering through tough times. And so, again, I don't think it's part, I don't think it's necessary to overreact completely to these two games. But at the same time, just given the importance of them and given um, just how close they are to the postseason and the, probably some momentum that you want to carry into that. You don't want to, as you say, um, back into the postseason. Um, and so we'll see what happens tomorrow. But a three, if it does turn out to be three-game sweep, that's certainly not the outcome that they were looking for when they went to New York on Tuesday. Oh, you sweet summer child. Uh <laughs> Interesting that you would suggest that there would be meaningful baseball games um, when here in 2020, it's quite obvious that ever and everyone I figured would know by now, uh, nothing means anything. There, nothing means there. There is no such thing as meaning. Nothing has any kind of meaning. Nothing at all matters. Look, I will say this, and and no one on who is watching the Blue Jays who is who is you know it's okay it's there are folks who are like we support our team and i saw you know stoughton was kind of uh shared the blue jays official twitter account shared out a post that was like you know positive vibes only um and then people were like the team sucks and they were like positive vibes only um they're not a juggernaut you know if you think back to the 2015 and the 2016 blue jays even as recently um uh, also a very a very those were very good teams teams that won lots of games the 2015 team i think we will recall was one of the reasons that 
that um, that Alex Anthopoulos felt compelled to kind of invest in the team at the trade deadline because you could see plainly that this the team was good because they had a had a long winning streak. I believe they had had a ten or eleven game winning streak in that mix at some point, and also they they didn't. They were they would beat people badly, especially after when the team became very very good. They were blowing people out, and that's one of the things that I think people talk about run differential, and it's a bit of a crude metric. But good teams don't get their doors blown off. Good or, or good teams don't get their doors blown off like violently three times in five games. Which is what the Blue Jays are now facing, like three significant, like double digit losses. They gave up 18, they gave up 20, and then they gave up another 13. Now, those are double, like double digit losses like that. Like good teams just don't get blown out like that. And they don't get blown out like that over and over again. Again, no one's suggesting that the team is, is, is a great team, but you see now that the, even this, the, the slight tinkering moves that were made around the, this trade deadline in 2020, there was there there should there was clearly no real suggestion that the team was was worthy of of true investment. You know what I mean? Like I think that this is sort of the team showing its ugly head, and and the the relief uh, core has been asked to do so much for so long, and the starters that were that were acquired to be innings eaters are actually just dog shit. And all, all the little flaws that would have been exposed over a 162 game season have been magnified here at the end of a 60 game season when they're having a difficult time kind of scraping it together and then limping and lumbering their way to the finish line. Uh, uh, it's, it's really disheartening because yeah, you go in and when I said it on this show and on other places like, Oh, you know, we wouldn't want to face the Blue Jays if I'm a good team. Uh, the Yankees quickly put that to bed. That uh, if I'm a good team, I would love, I would relish the opportunity to face the Blue Jays <laughs> because um, like, a, like a good team but the opposite, the Blue Jays can show you that they've got a lot of different ways they can let you beat them. They are, they'll mix it up and get smoked. However, on your terms, on their terms, whatever works, Blue Jays are going to be there, let you drop a dozen on them uh, at any given moment. I don't know, Stoughton, am, am, I, am I crazy? Like, or, or is, is this a, or is it easy? Am I overreacting to a, to, to a series of, of like explosive blowouts in the, in a very short order? Or are we maybe seeing the realist version of the 2020 Blue Jays right now? No, you're overreacting, I think, to be honest. And, and, you know, the way that they were playing very well, you know, when, when Rowdy Tellers had like a, a 185 weight runs created plus for like a month. You know, that was a mirage a bit too. I mean, we're in just a season of mirages, right? Uh, but, you know, you're talking about the Mets game where it was Chase Anderson and Jacob Wagesback were, you know, getting their, their heads handed to them. And then, you know, Derek Fisher goes out and has that game. Uh, you know, if you look at Taiwan Walker's earned run average, which, you know, obviously is uh, a flawed metric as we've all has been established for, for decades now, Uh not that bad because uh, those runs were not hung around his neck, though he did not uh, bail out his uh, his teammate in a way that, you know, perhaps a better pitcher could have. Uh, and then the most recent loss to the Yankees, we're talking about Tanner Roark, who uh, not good. Uh, and, you know, Fisher, Roark, Wagersback, Anderson, these are guys that uh, said good team that is relishing the opportunity to play the Blue Jays in the playoffs. They ain't going to see those four. Perhaps not, but at, at this stage, I mean, yeah, Walker, I guess, but like, I don't know. I just, you, you gotta, you gotta, you, 
maybe well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying they're good. No, I'm not saying they're good, but I'm just saying, you know, I, I, I wouldn't read too much into this and it's, it's very easy for the pendulum to swing back and forth wildly. Like, you know, we're Leafs fans, uh, <laughs> based on a couple games and, you know, I just I think, I think, I think that, that there is a Bobuchet game that is that is is due. I think that getting Teoscar back will help. Uh, you know, anytime you have Ryu taking the hill, uh, you got Matt Shoemaker coming back. You got Nate Pearson coming back. I think that there are there's still lots of nice things here. Uh, no need to to worry. I don't know bringing bringing back um bring bring back uh, Ryu or sorry bringing back Bichette and bringing back Teoscar. Those guys don't pitch. And the problem has not been, and in, in other than maybe like you know tonight, and, and to a very much lesser extent yet yesterday, which was or the the big blow of the twenty to six game, which was obviously a lot of garbage time. Um, the offense is, is scoring, but to me, the bigger issue is is the pitching because you only have Ryu, and 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 can you count on Matt Shoemaker to to do anything for you? And then again. Every single time that they send out an innings eater and they and the guy comes back with his tail between his legs, you know, an inning and two thirds later, that is those are having significant repercussions on the bullpen. When you're asking AJ Cole to pitch every day and you're asking Anthony Bass to pitch every day, and then now they've got Ken Giles on the shelf, like he's not coming back to save the day. He looks like he's done for the year. You know, uh, Anthony K. They gave sent down to get a breather because he was getting his brains beat in. You're just running out of guys to cover. Uh, uh, for the time that you have, do have left, uh, I just, it's, um, it's, it's worrisome. And, and the flaws, like the lack of starting pitching depth and the, and the, the poor defense. It was Derek Fisher in this very, uh, um, conspicuous incident, incidents, but that doesn't mean that the team that has like one above, above average defender as an everyday player, um, wasn't going to get let down by its defense at another date. You know, I just, I just think it's important that we go in and just re recognize that, like, well, I guess the only thing that's changed is that it's not, it's no fun to watch now is, is the only real yeah. difference that it was, <laughs> it was fun before because it was like, ah, oh, they can win a game. They can slug it up with you. And the, 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 the bullpen is really good. And now it's just like, oh, well, the, 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 the doors have come, like the, the, the wheels have come off and it's just agony to watch. And it, it, there's no, at some points it's like they're in love with another game again. You know, Rio, Rio can only pitch once every, five games or five days, whichever is, whichever comes first. And, uh, and Caitlin, I don't know. Do, do you, do you think that, uh, what do you think? Am I overreacting or, or is it, uh, is it easy to get, it's easy to understand why you would get beat down watching the Blue Jays get beat down, uh, all so frequently in the last, uh, week? Well, I mean, I don't share the same, uh, fandom necessarily I don't I don't if it makes my story easier if they win or lost sometimes I root for that sort of <laughs> result <laughs> but I don't particularly care if they um stumble to the end or not it, it's just I'm just watching it and observing and trying to make sense of what's happening um so but I'm sympathetic to people who are overreacting and underreacting and I understand there's fans of all different types of um, you know, levels of reaction, so to speak. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, you guys are both presenting maybe the two different viewpoints. Um, and definitely in the comment section of my next few articles, I will see these various viewpoints. I mean, for me, uh, for me, what I would say is that I don't necessarily think it, it matters how they finish I think it matters that they get in the postseason and they're pretty much, 
not certain to get in, but they're really in a good position. I don't know what their percentage is at this point, but it was around 98% at least a couple of days ago, according to Fangraph. So they do have a pretty good chance of here of getting in the postseason. And I think if they do that, then they've achieved the goal. Like that, to me, that was the high mark that they could achieve this year is getting into the postseason. And if they're able to do that, and if this young team is able to play two, three games of a wild card series, then this is all just gravy for them. They're getting the experience. They're probably surprising some people. I think most people thought that they were a potential kind of team that could take advantage of a shortened season. And if everything goes right, they, this happens and this happens, certainly they could get in. And they've done that. They've taken advantage of uh, other teams that have been a little bit weaker. They've um, been able to be competitive when their best players weren't in the lineup. They've seen They've had pretty good performances from some guys that we maybe weren't expecting. Rowdy Telez, Teoscar Hernandez, Grichuk had a nice run there for a little while. Um, and so to me, I mean, would it be better if they don't limp into the postseason? Yeah, probably for that, for their sake. Um, they would probably be a more feared team if they came in stronger. They've, they've still got, what, a week and a half to do that. Um, but yeah, like for me – I just think that they've almost peaked already and everything here is kind of just bonus time. It's what, you know, they're, they're playing with house money at this point. They get some playoff experience and that's only going to help them down the road because as you guys are alluding to, and I agree with, this isn't really a, a contending roster yet. It's on the way there and there's pieces that will make it a contending roster hopefully in the future for this team, but it's not all there right now. Uh, I think we're all overlooking the fact that they fixed Robbie Ray. So, so let's, (laughs) let's chalk that up as a victory. Uh, But no, you're right. And it's, it's funny, you know, uh, I guess maybe the Mariners are still in the conversation and would have been, but like, if you think back to the start of the restart, you know, the Jays and you're thinking about how the, the AL would, would play out. (laughs) The Jays are kind of in this group, at the bottom of the playoff picture uh, with teams that have just fucking imploded, like the Red Sox and the Angels and the Rangers just went to absolute shit immediately, uh, which just really left the door wide open for them. Uh, and they, and to their credit, yeah, they've, they've waltzed right through that open door. Uh, they're trying to, they're trying to stumble their way out, but uh, it seems like it's going on. But, but you're also right. You know, talking about, I think you're even early in the season, you know, you think about uh, you know player development in the big leagues was a thing that I remember quoting Charlie Montoya was saying, and uh, and they were very you know when it when, when the narrative was oh they're mismanaging the bullpen this is they're screwing this up they have a chance and the Jays seemed very much like we're not going to act like we have a chance at all like that's you know that they they you know I think the players would have said we think we can be a playoff team but they were being very cautious not to put that kind of pressure on the team and now. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think anything but making the playoffs would now like be a failed season uh, because it's just so right there. Uh, and then, and then, who knows what happens? They probably yeah. get bounced real fast. But you're right; I think the experience will be good. And uh, you know, Ryu, Robbie Ray, Julian Merriweather, fearsome front three. <laughs> <laughs> I think that it's interesting that we have 
I think this is related to the expanded playoffs uh, conversation that I feel like will will inevitably happen. Maybe this is the start of it, which is to say that when you water down something that it, that used to be an accomplishment, it no longer is an accomplishment. And when your team has like barely limps over the lowest possible bar, like drags its own desiccated corpse over this teeny this teeny little bar, like if if that's all that you're really striving for, like because at the end of the day, if it's a player development year, but then it's not because it's 2020 and nothing means anything. So what are your player development successes from this year? Do you really have any? Okay. Uh, Kevin Biggio looks like he is at least something. Um, it's nice to see Bobichette hit for a while. Uh, but other than that, like that's kind of it. You know, you don't have a lot of uh, else to really hang your hat on. Maybe you, know, like you said, uh, um, uh, Julian Merriweather, but like, I, I think it's re- kind of related to the, to the Derek Fisher, uh, thing. It's something I want to talk about a little bit, which is to say that like Derek Fisher had a, a terrible night in the field and it was easy to like, to like dump on him. And again, the same people who were uh, saying the Blue Jays need to like have a bloodletting in the middle of the clubhouse to, to punish the players for their base running mistakes. Um, Related to that is the fact that like the the job is to make plays, like go out, make plays and win ball games, right? At the end of the day, and like you can when you continually hedge and be like, ah, oh, it's player development, player development. These guys are going to make mistakes. It's like at some point, it's like he's not able to do the job with, that we're seeking him to do, and we're gaining information about the ability to do the job. And like a guy like Derek Fisher, for example. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, again, it's not that he's not trying. Uh, it, it, I, I loathe to describe anything as like a confidence issue. I don't know what kind of con, what kind of what's going through his head, but when you watch him in the outfield that he's got happy feet and he's, he looks like shit, like in a way that, that is not just like he didn't catch the, the baseball. Mm-hmm. It was like he did not appear to be prepared to catch the baseball. Um, more than once, and it's not a uh, not a common, uncommon thing. Not uncommon. These are mistakes that things that had happened before. Like, like there's something else that's going on. At the end of the day, you don't want to like punish him and be like you've screwed up so badly. But at the end of the day, it's like you're trying to your job is to make plays. And and guys getting thrown on the baseball on the bases as we as we've discussed, or I've discussed and said before, defended before is like I think they're trying to make plays. This is an example of a guy who just wasn't doing it. So. You know, he has, he was miraculously injured the day following that way by being hit with the pitch in live batting practice. And, but like, is he coming back? Like, I guess that's the question. Like, are we ever going to see Derek Fisher play for the Blue Jays again? Or is this it? Uh, um, because at the, at the end of the day, you want to like, just like pull it together. You know what I mean? Like win, win some games. Don't just, I don't think that I, I it's, it's unfair to say that. They, the Blue Jays as, as an organization can be disappointed with the fact that the flaws in the team and the, and the, and the shortcomings of the players have been exposed, that the player development machine has not really uncovered like a lot. Again, the, the thing I've said before was like, other, maybe Teoscar Hernandez, like a lot of guys are, have been who they've been. It's tough. I know it's, it's tough for me to just, to say it's like, it's okay because there is an opportunity to maybe like take a step forward and for the Blue Jays to have barely tread water and like at some point kind of poked their head up above the water and then suddenly up and sunk back down with these like these uh, humiliating defeats um i can't i can't really give them a lot of credit as a, as a team for for like like stoughton said when the red Sox and the angels 
and the and the Rangers and and uh, and who and even uh, you know Cleveland to a to a certain extent just absolutely imploding around them. I don't. I'm not in a rush to give them a lot of credit for not completely uh, shitting the bed. Just simply you know ruining the sheets in a in a unsubtle way. Yeah, but you look at like the Yankees, and like two weeks ago we were talking about how the Yankees were all out of sorts, and now they've strung together. I think seven straight wins. So well, they've, I mean, had, they've had some bad competition to play against though. You know, it's well, been really, really easy for them. <laughs> True. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I just, I don't think, I guess we'll see how they respond tomorrow and we'll see how they, um, I guess it's Philly and Philly's a pretty hot team right now too. Um, but I guess I will contest your point that I think there's been a little bit more to be optimistic about this season um, other than just, you know, Biggio and Bichette. I think, I think Vladdy's coming along. I think he's shown at the very least more of a commitment to fitness um, and being a little bit more um, committed to the major league lifestyle. Um, I think that they've uncovered maybe a few things in um, the bullpen. I think someone like Tom Hatch, maybe not destined to be a starter, but I think he could end up being a reliever. Um, I think there's been other things too. Jordan Romano looked pretty good for a while there. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're relievers, so they can be fickle. Like they can, you know, they can have a hot year and then it, it can fall apart. Like I understand relievers are the are the position most prone to that in baseball. So I know these examples aren't great because you never really know what's going to happen with guys like Hatch and, and Romano. But I do think you could come away from the season and think there's some optimism there, at least pitching depth or whatever. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I just think like after last season, 95 losses, a team that, really didn't look like they were going to be competitive this year. Um, I still think this season is fine. And I think missing the postseason, yes, would be a disaster, just given they've set themselves up perfectly here to make it. So I totally agree with what you're saying there. And I don't think it's acceptable. And it's certainly not a good sign of good teams to get beaten so badly this often down the stretch. Like, that is not a good sign either but again I'll go back to my main point it's just like I think they've almost peaked and overachieved already and if they can just kind of hang on here and get into postseason I think that experience is going to help them and I think the front office would probably take that like Stoughton was saying I don't know that they came into this season with super high expectations um, at least not so much to put pressure on the team. Um, it was more about if they could take advantage of the gifts that were given to them this year with the expanded postseason, as well as the, just the shortened season. And I think they have to this point done that they've taken advantage to that, or sorry, taken advantage of that, I should say. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I don't know. No, you're 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 more right than I am. Absolutely. Um, but at the same time. Oh, oh yeah. Without question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back with more birds all day. But before we get to that, let's pause and hear from some of our sponsors. 
This is the Athletic Shield Kapadia here to tell you about Liquid IV. Nobody likes to feel dehydrated. Maybe you get a little bit of a headache, dry mouth. You just don't feel like yourself. But believe it or not, dehydration still occurs daily in three out of four people. With Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. Maybe you use it after a really intense workout. Maybe you went out socially distanced with friends and had a couple extra beers the night before. That's where Liquid IV comes in. It is healthier than those sugary sports drinks, no artificial flavors or preservatives, and less sugar than an apple. Plus, it contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. And Liquid IV is on a mission to change the world. Liquid IV is donating 3.7 million servings in response to COVID-19. Products are being donated to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans, and active military. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. I don't know if the, I don't know if announce was was is the right way to describe it, but it looks as though the baseball is going to there's potential to keep a, this expanded playoff, sixteen teams making the playoffs, um, moving into the future uh, under the structure of basically having um, a playing a full season. So after 162 games, we'll see sixteen teams make the playoffs, which. Uh, maybe maybe you want to call me a regressive, you know, conservative uh, uh, traditionalist, but I hate. Right. Because, because I don't, in a, in this goofy season, I understand the, you know, let's not commit to anything and like just see what happens without risking anything at all. Um, but I feel like it, I, as a fan or as someone who watches the team, I'm, I'm interested in, in those who find the balance of like no, like, or, or the, have a difference of risk tolerance where, where it's nice to see a team go for it. It's nice to see the a team like the Padres that have made aggressive moves and have you know promoted players early and signed free agents to who are to somewhat misguided contracts or whatever in in the pursuit of winning. Where I feel like more teams will just take the Blue Jays approach and be like, well, if everybody else falls apart, we'll be there just by kind of staying the course. And while our goal is to build a juggernaut, we're not really going to go out of our way to do anything. Uh, that that might be construed as risky because we'll just kind of well let's just assume our player development system is going to churn out enough good players to make some noise one day. Uh, I don't know, uh, Stoughton. I know you were tweeting about this a little bit. What what do you think about the idea of expanding the playoffs? Do you think it does it fit with a 162 game season? I mean, if I mean, if we want to worry too much about it, then no, I guess. Uh, I, I one concern I think on one hand is. Uh, is something that fans don't care about generally for the most part is that like you know it's probably bad for players uh it's something that like you say i think absolutely is going to spur uh conservatism and and uh in terms of risk from teams that are already you know pushing and pushing that way uh and i think that uh, I, fuck i forget who it was that i saw tweeting about how it's uh it's set up for something that you know if the players and as they should see it as something that uh, that is going to affect their bottom line. Now it's something that the owners are sort of staking a claim to and getting in before the CBA talks. So now that they'll now they'll have to the players will have to give something up if they want to get rid of the 
the expanded playoffs if they you know have that long term vision to see uh, you know where, where where that can go badly for them. I think though that to the average fan, it's like I mean, okay, this is sort of this is talking down a bit, but like a lot of people just sort of it's like like kids playing soccer. It's just they follow the ball, right? Like a lot of people are not going to be like. Well, you know this this team they they could have gone they're 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 projected to be eighty eight wins they should have been you know they should have gone harder to go for it and they're it's like no if their team's in the playoff race they're just going to be like okay our my team's in the playoff race and they're going to be interested and engaged and I I think you know the majority of what I, I mean I'm generally soft on this even though I completely understand how it's stupid it is you know because of the, the you know the the it, the way that it devalues the 162 games but the majority of fans are like we you know the blue jays market has didn't see playoffs for like 25 years and though the root of that was ownership not doing enough uh ownership's not going to change or the or even if like the people running it change that's not going to change their behavior especially in this era of you know owners are getting more and more and more like that all the time. They are really, you know, focused on being one entity. I guess that's, you know, since collusion in the 80s, I mean, it's sort of been that way, but there have been uh, outliers. Uh, but I, I think that, you know, most people are enthused about the idea of there being a playoff race and it doesn't really register that it's like, oh, and, you know, a few years ago, this World Series winning team would have been a mediocre team based on talent or like, oh, these guys sort of, backed into the playoffs and and ended up having you know you know it, the it, the playoffs didn't you know the best team certainly didn't win the world series and it's like well you that that kind of ship sailed when you even you know when you went to the league championship series or even the world series itself right i mean i don't think you know if you if you allow that the playoffs are going to determine your champion you're already letting so much chance into it that i i don't know it doesn't it doesn't bother me too much that it's that it would be weird it'll be fun it'll be more meaningful baseball that's what people really enjoy and i think that it's you know it's probably good to have a bunch more markets watching a team that is you know in the playoffs and i think that the you know that my last point on this is that i i think that there will be a lot of teams in the mushy middle and teams that are sort of like not great but already locks i think that that still will keep fans more engaged over the course of a summer than what we saw in Toronto from 2000 from 1994 1995 to 2014 which is just like the bottom drops out after May and you're lucky if it comes back or if it does it's because people want to go see a baseball game in the sun and not because of anything that you're really doing on the field I'm I'm okay with there being more competitiveness superficially even though even if it means under the hood it's not you know what everybody sort of dreams of. That's a fair point. And I, I didn't know that I'd ever hear the day that you came on this podcast and were like, the baseball should be more like the NHL. Well, uh, right. <laughs> which is uh, not a surprising position for you, but uh, I have to respect it. I'm nothing if not inconsistent. So <laughs> long, long time listeners will know this. Uh, uh, Caitlin, do you have any thoughts and opinions on the, the expanded playoffs? I mean, uh, are you uh, someone who would who relishes the idea of covering playoff games more so than uh, even if they are um, not as pitched battles between the finest the game has to offer? Well, I was going to make the point that it will seem more like the NHL and I'm an NBA a little bit. I admittedly, I don't, I haven't followed those two sports as closely um, 
since I started covering baseball, just because it takes up a lot of my time. But I feel like the issue, or not maybe not the issue, but a, a, a trend with those two leagues is there's always, um, especially one division or one conference ends up being better than the other. So then sometimes in some playoffs, it's like the eighth seed. It's like, well, there's no way, like there's no way they can win, especially basketball. It tends to be a little bit more predictive. Um, so those like one to eight matchups are usually just like guaranteed wins for the top seed. And, um, and the NHL is a little bit different because hockey is a little bit more random and uh, luck based. Um, and so you can have those upsets. And, and I do know that like with the NHL, it's been, I don't know if it's been a problem, but it has been a, a, a trend the last couple of years as you've seen top teams um, eliminated. And then you maybe some people like that because it's like these underdogs and this unpredictability, but then other teams don't like that because then you're, again, it's to your point, you're not having maybe the cream of the crop contending for the, the ultimate championship. So baseball my perception of the baseball playoffs was there was always this aspect of it was a little bit more elite to the other ones just because it didn't let everybody in, right? Like at the very least, it was the best teams. And um, there was just kind of a, not to say it was, you know, like they bragged about it, but there just was, there was like there's always this kind of idea that the, the baseball players were just like so much harder to get into. And so they were a little bit more like, um, a higher quality if you will um and baseball can be more dramatic so I do wonder if some of that will be lost because now you're just kind of following those other two leagues you're just you're letting in half half the the half the divisions right you're ha half of the AL and half of the NL are getting into the playoffs at this point so um you do lose a little bit of that um kind of reputation that you had built after even there was controversy like when they had the second wild card people thought that like tainted the playoffs enough right um so the people who are more traditionalists I'm, I'm not sure what they think of this your original question though I don't know how I will react to covering playoffs because I've never done it before uh I think that I would appreciate it just from a sort of selfish more people would read my stories point of view honestly like <laughs> If they, if they were playing meaningful baseball into September, then people would read my stories in September, whereas last year nobody was reading my stories in September. So um, I would like that. And um, As, I think as someone who co-launched a podcast in 2015, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I don't – I'd have to think on it more if I'm going to have a stronger opinion, but – I'm kind of with Stoughton here too. Like I, if it just means more meaningful baseball, if it means more fans are engaged, if it means more fans are happy, um, then it's probably a net win. But I do also see the other side of it um, and that it does kind of water down the product a little bit. And that could have repercussions for the players. Um, it could it could lead to less spending and this, therefore they're making less in free agency because teams don't need to spend as much because they don't, you know, they don't need to compete as hard to get into the playoffs. So it could have those repercussions too. I think it'll be interesting to see kind of how it develops um, if it goes on next year and then into when they're negotiating, negotiating the CBA and how that all kind of comes together. I guess maybe a question to ask is do the 2015 Toronto Blue Jays acquire both Troy Tulowitzki and David Price and Ben Revere and the bullpen pieces that they got. 
Do they do all those moves? Do they generate all that excitement? Do they take that, you know, simmering pot of a great team and like ignite it with all those moves if the bar to get into the playoffs isn't as high? It's a good question because like you, I don't even, I, I have to look back and see like what their record was prior to the trade deadline because if it was, if there was more spots then they might have been in playoff contention already and then they obviously wouldn't have needed to make those big moves. Um, well, they also, then, they also would have, uh, they also would have been to the playoffs like eight times in the past 14 <laughs> years before that, right? So it wouldn't have meant as much anyway. But then you can still have teams wanting to leave no doubt, I guess. I mean, I, of course you leave the option, and maybe I'm, I'm maybe being naive here because probably if given the choice to spend less or spend more, teams are going to spend less. But um, I think you still there's still the chance to have a team like the Padres, right? Like, look, at they, the Padres um, went pretty all in. They made huge moves. It's a weird – shortened season it's an expanded playoffs I think they were in a pretty good position already and they still made those moves so I think it's still possible to have teams do that um well and the J the J signed Ryu too right I mean that's they didn't have to spend so yeah but that was before the alternate reality sure oh sure 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 but I just mean that I you know the idea that it's go you know it'll the teams will only spend when the playoffs are are or are guaranteed or you know, when I, teams will spend just when it makes sense in their sort of cycle to spend. Yeah, I think. yeah. No, that's a good point, and I, I do think that the Hyunjin Ryu signing does sort of put a has put some Blue Jays uh, uh, management narratives uh, to bed. It was it was a risky, you know, it, it has not a, a move that is not without its own risk. I'm thinking about the Kyler McDaniel published something today for ESPN. Uh, insider kind of classifying the front offices by their strategy. Are they gunslingers? Are they, are they, uh, advantage gamblers? Are they hedge fund types or are they kind of hunchy, you know, very old school? And the Blue Jays were definitely on the more, uh, risk averse side. Um, but they do they have embraced risk more than some of the other teams. For example, Cleveland, but they're not as, as willing to embrace risk as like Tampa Bay. Uh, and my point that I made when I shared that was that Tampa Bay embraces risk in terms of like turning over their roster and, and taking bets on, on unproven players because it doesn't matter, right? They have no stakes. There's no yeah. like consumer confidence that they have to worry about at any point. It's how they're, they're signing Tanner Roark. <laughs> <laughs> Embrace risk, sign Tanner Roark. Like, hand the ball to T- Tanner Roark and and J- Chase Anderson for uh, foreseeably forty percent of your baseball games. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it's an interesting debate, and, and it's interesting to, to consider. And, and I think that Stoughton, you made some you made some good points, and and, and that to have a, fr- a fan centric uh, um, mindset, uh, and again, like you said, kind of following the ball and not worrying about the the inside baseball stuff, where you. But the the part of me that again does it does it and does it change my 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 um, relationship with the game if the things that are inevitable will come beyond that which I think would be uh, salary floors and salary caps because uh, you know as a, as a bit of a sop and like the on the way that those things go and the and the illusion of of parity and the idea that like oh it's no fair because these teams can spend so much more and my team doesn't ever have a chance to win and you look at like the NFL and and the and, and the NBA in particular, where it's like, it's so weird that the salary cap was supposed to guarantee all this parity, but it's like the same teams are good all the time. But 
the same teams are good all the time in baseball. So what can imagine being a Dodgers fan? What a spoiled bunch of brats they must be. They've been to the World Series and won, won their division, what, like seven years or eight years in a row? It's unbelievable. What a juggernaut. And they, they still can't get over the hump. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, the previous World Series was before the Blue Jays last World Series. That's true. That is a thing that if you are a fan of the San Francisco Giants, you're not afraid to point out at <laughs> all regular intervals when you're talking to a Dodgers fan. But, uh, but yeah, so... Uh, and speaking and, well, and a, the Dodgers fan, you know, speaking of the watering down of the playoff field, may point to certain San Francisco Giants World Series triumphs as uh, as a point that perhaps we're already there, perhaps we're already living there, perhaps the cancellation of the 2015 World Series because one of the teams was just so bad we couldn't possibly allow that to happen uh, <laughs> suggests that you know it's already pretty watered down already, and we're fighting on a on a hill. That's just, you know, uh, perhaps submerged. I will say the 2012 Giants were pretty good. They won the division. They deserve to be there. Wow. If they won their division. Well, what, what, what do you want that's them to do? Good. No, I don't. I mean, seven teams had a better record than the current World Series champion this year. So. The, the current World Series champions, uh, they lived the life the Blue Jays were meant to lead in 2015. We need to get over 2015, I think it sounds like. We just keep coming back to that over and over. Okay, let's let's turn the page a little bit and let's look forward. So the Blue Jays do only have like 12 games left uh, as, at this time of recording. Here, recording this on Wednesday instead of Thursday. Uh, we're recording Birds All Day, which is, of course, the podcast to which you are listening. That We encourage you to listen to every week. Uh, and to do so, you can subscribe to the show. Subscribe to Birds All Day. You can do it on uh, spotify you can do it on apple podcasts you can do it anywhere uh, fine podcasts are sold or not sold because it's free you don't have to be a subscriber to the athletic to get it so subscribe to the show and then when you're done subscribe to the athletic too right read everything that caitlin and stoughton write about the blue jays as they march to the postseason with triumph with their heads held high uh so yeah that's the question what does the rest of the season look like for the Blue Jays? Uh, I believe their, their Blue Jays do have a magic number, as I alluded to off the top. It's nine. So any combination of nine wins for the Blue Jays and, and losses for the teams that are trailing them, the, the Seattles and Baltimores of the world, I suppose, um, gets them in. So are you changing things? Are you maybe looking to increase the number of times that, that say Hyunjin Ryu takes the mound, which I know this is a conversation that they, that they may have had. Uh, Caitlin, what do you think we're going to see uh, as the Blue Jays attempt to maybe right the ship heading into October, which as baseball history tells me, there's only one October. Um, I think that uh, they would look forward to, to Oscar coming back and hopefully not having too many lingering issues from that oblique thing. He's obviously made really quick progress because oblique injuries can be so fickle. Um, you know, I feel like I've read guys have missed like six months with an oblique or maybe that's exaggerating, but certainly a lot of time. And then sometimes it can be really quick. So this one is a good sign. Hopefully he comes back and, he is good for them. And I think if you're the Blue Jays, you're really looking for, like Stoughton was alluding to earlier, if you can get Matt Shoemaker back to at least some length, um, I think that would be a really important uh, development for their postseason chances. And also, obviously, obviously, Nate Pearson, that's key as well. But I think with Shoemaker, 
there's more of a chance of getting some more length out of him just because he is more of a veteran guy and you can probably push him a little bit more. And um, Nate Pearson was also kind of struggling prior to when he went on the IL. So I don't know that you would want to put the kind of pressure on him. You don't have Giles anymore. He's effectively out for the season, um, potentially done with the Blue Jays, but that's probably a off-season discussion. Um, but so those are the th- three things that I would look for. Um, and you know, you hope you pick up some wins against maybe the Phillies and maybe salvage a few games here against the Yankees and finish strong against the Orioles. Um, but I think if you, those three guys are guys that are sticking out to me as you want to see those three guys back, hopefully playing in somewhat meaningful ways and contributing um, in meaningful ways. And that to me would be a pretty good way to end the season. Um, and you know, preferably not losing every game by 12 runs or whatever. <laughs> not losing by a touchdown or two every every night out. Uh, Stoughton, do you think we might see a, a bit of a change in, I don't know, maybe philosophy might be the strong word, but like, can you see a, uh, can you see envision a, a scenario in which the Blue Jays say, give maybe Jonathan Davis some more playing time as they look to sort out their defense a little bit? Uh, I would really like to see that. Uh, and certainly with, Fisher now on the uh, on the IL with his uh, glove hand shittiness, and uh, <laughs> and Te- I mean Teoscar, you know, dealing with the oblique, and they don't have, you know, a natural DH in. Uh, well, they have one, but he's at first base right now with, with uh, Teles down. <laughs> uh, so yeah, maybe maybe we'll see Teoscar take some reps at DH, and uh, Jonathan Davis could, John Davis has, has swung well and is a really interesting sort of late blooming guy with you know who is, does things that a lot of Blue Jays don't like play defense well um yeah I, I think that would be really interesting i think the starting rotation is obviously you know even though they have or they had you know it's kind of in disarray right now but they they have a strong bullpen they have, you know, with the 28-man roster they have a, a lot of arms they have uh, you know ways to uh to get through games if the starter falters and so they don't have to rely super deeply on the starters it would be nice obviously uh, i don't think they'll, that you'll see ryu uh you know pushed very much at all i think he's probably you know they would rather him get an extra days of rest than uh, than certainly short rest i don't think that's a, that's going to be in, on the cards like so if you know if we're talking about getting through a first playoff series i don't think you're going to see ryu uh <laughs> pitch you know multiple times in a five game series uh but it would be nice i think for them for any, for anyone really uh, if they could have like maybe two other starters like not just be complete dog shit before the season ends like if they get a couple good starts out of uh you know i like i say robbie ray's fixed uh Tawan walker you know again could have done better after Derek fisher did what Derek fisher did uh, i still think that those two guys look all right for the rotation and then yeah you got shoemaker who was up to 45 pitches uh here on wednesday uh, a piece that I have that we'll be looking at that that'll probably be up before anybody hears this. So the piece that I have that's just up right now, <laughs> what, uh, uh, looks. I took a look at sort of how he ramped up in spring 2019. Obviously, this spring was not you know didn't, didn't work that way. Uh, but he went he went from like 38 pitches to to like mid 60s uh, over the course of a couple weeks. So he could he could go from 45 to something where he could give you. Not a full, not seven innings, but four or five as a starter. And then if he does that, maybe he's the guy who <laughs> who has to, you know, have the conversation with Roark about why he's not on the playoff roster. I am very much uh, in favor uh, and, and hopeful as a, someone who's watching the Blue Jays that 
they they can just win a couple games, you know, maybe against the Phillies, uh, right the ship a little bit, and that just gives them an opportunity to to sort to start to sort mm-hmm. some of these details out, um, because the last thing that I would want to see is is Charlie Montoya having to like white knuckle it two hands on the stick yeah. down the last week <laughs> of the season, uh, yeah. because that just ends in it, it ends in tears, right? And then it almost like it's just if and you can get, almost you could feel like it. it it's not snowballing, but you could see how after, you know, speaking of, you know, what we did at the start of the, the episode with the three terrible losses, you know, it's not that difficult to envision. Oh, it's starting to slip. And if they lose again and then lose again, you can – it doesn't take long before those knuckles start getting real white. I mean, I think that the Mariners uh, – again, now we're like – so also this is – a lot of this is our fault, frankly, as you and I – Delighted in marveling and, and shitting all over the Yankees <laughs> last week, just throwing the feces into the air, rubbing it on our faces, being like, ha ha ha, the Yankees are terrible. Uh, so we, this is something that we've wrought, but, uh, I do think that, that the opportunity to sort of get the house in order a little bit, take some of those relievers, maybe hide them, squirrel them away. Let whoever needs as much needs rest get as much as they can. Let if it's Ryan Baraki, if it's whoever, somebody that that might just need a need a break. Again, I think in more along the lines of like AJ Cole, Anthony Bass, the guys that have pitched so much, um, give them a chance to uh, to catch some catch their breath. Because again, the last thing that I need to see is is that final weekend series against the Orioles being of significance. Other than like, do they ha- do they get to face? the Rays or the A's like, or, or might they be able to, I don't think that, that they're unlikely to get sneak past the Yankees again to get into a game against the twins, but like, it doesn't really matter. Whoever they're playing is going to be better. So they're going to be the underdog. So just give yourself a fighting chance. Should you get to that point again, that their playoff odds are at, at 96%, I believe at this, at the current time. Um, and that's before the, the Mariners uh, lose tonight which it looks like they're going to they're down big to the giants as the home team but playing in san francisco due to the um uh ongoing end of the world um as it relates to it's too much smoke and, and wildfires uh making seattle uh, air poison so all that's going on in the background as well as we're like the blue jays sure do not try hard enough and it's like you know the world is actively ending uh, around us. We're we're just quite literally and figuratively f- uh, fiddling while Rome burns. So that's nice, uh, Caitlin. Where can the people and what can the people expect from you to read on the Athletic now and in the future? Right now, I just finished and posted, so it'll be up tomorrow when everyone's listening to this. A piece on Ken Giles. Um, just kind of looking at the time he had in Toronto and the kind of twists and turns that his um, his uh, tenure was here and um, just kind of exploring what's next for Ken Giles. So that'll be up tomorrow. Everyone can read it. And then I will <laughs> continue writing about whether the Blue Jays can salvage a win tomorrow against the Yankees or if they are simply – self-combusting here we'll see Ken Giles we didn't uh, we didn't have much of a chance to touch on it unfortunately um a guy that uh when he's right is as good as anybody can be and maybe the Blue Jays sort of 
it would be easy to uh, cast aspersions on them for not trading him when they did. But again, it's they there there is some risk um, in in keeping him and, and and saying, hey, if this team might be okay, having an unhittable monster in the bullpen doesn't hurt. Uh, uh, again, depending on the outcome of the prog- the diagnosis of his of his arm struggles, uh, I would love to see Ken Giles come back in a Blue Jays uniform. I don't think I'm speaking out of turn when I say that. Uh, so if you are interested in seeing what that might look like, I can only assume that Caitlin has addressed it in her piece that I have yet to read. But if you're interested, I can't recommend it highly enough. You go and read that story, read everything that Caitlin wrote. And Stoughton, what else you got coming uh, for the time being, I think that's it. I'm just, uh, I got the Monday morning Jays report. There will be, I feel that that's going to come out on Monday <laughs> and, uh, just watching the blue Jays and Phillies this weekend. I'll be, uh, writing off a couple of those games and hopefully, you know, I'm not writing about how <laughs> their season is snowballing quickly into, uh, into despair. The Phillies, um, they need these games, don't they? I feel that's correct. They need them bad. Which is, uh, that's the Blue Jays' time to strike. Get in there against a desperate team and, uh, and take advantage. I don't know. But that's it. Thank you, Caitlin. Uh, thank you, as always, for taking the time to, to join us, to hop on and talk Blue Jays baseball with us. And Stoughton, as, as always, thank you for taking the Indeed. time to thank do you. the thing that's part of your job. I know that's that I bad. appreciate it. I'm sure that your bosses do. <laughs> as well. So that's it for Caitlin, for Stoughton. My name is Drew Fairservice. We will talk to you next time on Birds All Day.